From the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. I'm Michelle MJ. And, and this is Mark. Hmm, welcome to fall, y'all. Yay. My favorite part of the year. Mine too. Really? Yeah. Oh, are you kidding? I love boots. I love sweaters. I love layering. Um, yeah, what's there not to love about fall in Oregon? I know. Exactly, Perry. I, no, I mean, no. <laughs> I love the leaves changing. I leave the, love the longer sh- shadows. I love the longer shadow showers. <laughs> I love the crisp mornings and the somewhat warm afternoons. It's just a wonderful time to be around. And then the sunsets in fall, because of the shadow action, it's just so much more beautiful. I had a friend of mine that flew in from Florida yesterday, and she uh, she got here about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. She was like, oh, this is lovely, because down there it's still really muggy and yeah. super mm. warm yeah. and hurricane season mm. and dirty and gross. And she's like, oh. And so I was asking her whether or not she's going to be staying in my house <clears> while <throat> I'm gone. And I was asking her if she wants me to show her how to turn on the furnace, you know, because in the morning mm-hmm. it can be a little little nippy in the morning. She's like, no, I want to be cold. Nice. Mm. So She doesn't know what she's asking for. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. She'll probably call me in a few days and exactly. go, run me through those setup, uh, <laughs> setup requirements before we, yeah, so uh, I love the fall as well. I, yep, absolutely by far my favorite. I'm also energized. I really feel like I have more energy and, and uh, yeah. So there's something that we did not do. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't remember when we did a show before. Did we do a show two weeks ago? Two weeks. Yeah, we did. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. There's. I don't think we followed up on your um, Street of Dreams uh, experience. Experience. Yeah, did correct. Major award. Yeah, so we did not. Leg lamp. So we did How not. How did Street of Dreams go? <laughs> <laughs> so um, now that I've had proper amount of therapy, I can talk about it without <laughs> crying or screaming or cussing. Uh, no, the overall, I am thrilled to announce that Amelia sold for eighty four thousand one hundred dollars. Wow! Um, so as That's you recall, great. she was built with donated time, materials, and labor, and sold, and the proceeds go to benefit veterans. So I've met the owner. Um, he is uh, wanting to use her sort of as a as the first of many. In a village that he is going to build, um, benefiting veterans. I thought mm. I thought you guys were giving that thing away to a veteran. Well, we were going to. Um, however, then they decided that they didn't want to give that much money to one single person. So oh, what they so did they is, they're, yeah. And, oh, okay. So they auctioned it, and then they are going to actually divide that money between a number of different veterans organizations in Oregon. Mm. However, the person that bought it is now considering giving it to one single veteran. Ha! Take that, uh, bitches! <laughs> <laughs> but again, he's he's um, actually going to be meeting with the city in a couple of weeks and setting it up. He's doing a lot of research. He sent his his real estate agents out into the world to find mm. an RV park um, huh. that is for sale and he told them if the RV park isn't for sale but it looks good make him an offer mm. anyways so um, very influential um, super super nice guy I've met with him and and uh, yeah so it he wants to take this one house become really an expert on tiny houses and then create a village 
And then, um, yeah. So it's the the Street of Dreams was a fantastic, Good. really fun, awesome experience. My I think my circle of influence is bigger, which is always mm-hmm. lovely. I now know more plumbers and more electricians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, when you're in the build business, that's always a good mm-hmm. thing to have. So mm-hmm. made a lot of new friends, um, got a ton of really, really, really positive feedback. So all in all, excellent. very, very thrilled. Everybody loves Amelia. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be building Amelia 2 for my village. Nice. Amelia 2, The Reckoning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, oh, she won't cost me $140,000, of course, um, but uh, I love the floor plan so much, and, and she was really popular and everybody. Very cool house. Yeah. It yeah. was a beautiful house. The Thank best you. one in the neighborhood, frankly. Thank you. Um, I'm not so, be negative about Street of Dreams. Yeah. So there or was the a lot of go to those things. There was a lot of back and forth <laughs> about whether or not I would be quote unquote eligible for judging. Judging what? Um, the other houses? N- well, yeah, because uh, so all the houses on the Street of Dreams get judged. They get mm-hmm. judged by professionals. They get judged by their peers. They get judged mm-hmm. by the public. So they have a Street of Dreams award ceremony at the end. Mm-hmm. So they're like, hey, you get best bathroom as voted by the public. Mm-hmm. You get vet best yard as voted by the professionals, mm-hmm. right? So they, anyways, um, Originally, they said I was going to be eligible for judging, and then later on, I found out I wasn't going to be mm-hmm. because they said um, that the other builders were like, dude, like we've invested millions and millions of dollars for this opportunity. She doesn't get uh. to be part of the competition. So they kicked me out of the voting. Uh, incidentally, there were literally hundreds and hundreds of people that wrote me in anyways, wrote really huh. nasty things about the big house and then said, tiny house forever. <laughs> so there was a fair amount of, so, yeah, so they couldn't, they couldn't exactly ignore me, I guess, or so I received the um, Street of Dreams tiny house with a big heart uh, humanitarian award for this from the Street of Dreams, so. I think you got a trophy for that, right? I did. Yeah. Thing. yeah, I saw that yeah, yeah, on yeah. some social media situation. Yeah, so it was it was a really fun evening to be part of the awards award ceremony, even if I wasn't being judged for my aesthetics or you know. Design. Well, I sure hope you were judgmental that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm to be judgmental about. <laughs> Speaking about um, awards, our guest today should have a ton of awards for all the places that she's visited. How's that for a transition? I don't even understand it, but it works. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. Uh, Carolyn Campbell <clears throat> is an artist and a consultant. Uh, she's actually a lot of things. If you go read her bio at lookingforamerica.today, which is an interesting URL. We'll get to that later. Um, but for the... for. I don't even know how long you've been on the road, but she's been on the road for a long time, traveling around in a quite. Un- we're going to talk about this vehicle um, in the next on the next guest show, but we're going to probably talk about it here too. It's a quite unusual van conversion. And when I met Carolyn on Instagram, I did a lot of research on that van, and it's pretty freaking cool. And so, but but even more cool than the van itself are the stories that Carolyn is. Um, chronicling on her website, Giving Voice to Rural America, which again, you can find at lookingforamerica.today. And we'd like to welcome um, Carolyn to the show. Welcome, hey, Carolyn. nice welcome. to be here. Welcome, welcome. Well, um, you actually live in Portland. I do. So tell us, tell us, 
your story, how you got what you what you were doing before you went on the road, and then what happened that got you on the road. So before I went on the road, I've been a leadership and business coach for about 20 years. And then before that, I was an artist in the schools. So I come from an artist background. And then before that, I was a Peace Corps volunteer. So I come from community building and art and then consulting. So that's how history. (laughs) And then over a course of a number of events, um, I decided that I need to go out on the road and really find out what was going on in America on the streets. Why did you decide that? Okay, so... We have 45 minutes, so we're big on stories. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let her rip. Do okay. tell! <laughs> Just want to know that this is not maybe the uh, best Portland story ever, but it is, okay. in my mind. There we <laughs> right. have it. Exactly. So, it's sort of... Um, so, um, Short version of this very long story, as a business coach, during the primaries, I had a number of people sequentially um, coming in and telling me that they were voting for Trump in the primary. Okay. And so I kind of was like, what? Say what? Say what? (laughs) Like that. Like, say what? So by the time that happened, I was really ready because I had seen so many people that I didn't expect that were voting for him, like people who work for Nike, people who were immigrants, people, so it was just like, so I was ready. Ready for what? Him to win? Yes. Oh, I see. Just ready to move to Canada. So So I was, and in fact, on the evening when the votes came in, I was trying to find out where his party was going to be, and nobody even expected on the other side that there was going to be a party. And curiously, one of the Mm. parties was at the Mexican restaurant in Oregon City, which I found to be kind of ironic. Why do you think it was ironic? Because of the immigration situation? Yes. Mm. You know, like, you think... Okay. Anyway, so we'll leave that. No, it's okay, yeah. We'll leave that. So then I um, have had community dinners for years, so I bring together business leaders, have dinners, so that they get to meet each other, and nobody's allowed to talk about their business at these dinners. So, but I promise that when they leave, everybody will know about their business. So 15 years later, people still do business after one dinner, because they're talking about something important in their life, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I decided this would be a really good time to have a community dinner. So because of my work, I know a lot of conservatives. I know a lot of liberals. None of them voted for him, but I would bring them together and we'd have a conversation over dinner. So I invited this dinner to happen, and this dinner has happened for 12 years, and it's never not happened. This dinner did not happen. And this dinner Mm. did not happen all my conservative friends and clients were like, I'd love for this to happen. And this still makes me cry. And I know this is an upbeat show, but it's still, okay, but, uh, so all my um, liberal, every single liberal friend I asked, can I swear on the phone? Or yes, you can. Okay, said, fuck no. Really? Uh-huh. What, what was behind the fuck no? I'm too hurt. Oh, that How, makes more sense than like I'm never going to talk to a liberal bastard or a conservative. Yeah, remember okay. conservative, Sorry, conservative. right? It was like yeah. I don't want to hear it. So I don't want to talk minute. about it. Wait a minute. So directly after Trump was elected president, it was two months after. Oh, so still oh, okay. two months after the Amber, they were that butt hurt. They were that butt hurt. <laughs> yeah. That um, that did not happen. And in fact, Interesting. yeah. So, and then during this time, I was photographing all the protests that were going on after the election. Yeah. I went into um, pro-Trump, 
protests mm -hmm. and anti-Trump. It was just really an amazing time for me to just mm -hmm. really watch. So I started to realize, like, nobody's watching what's really going on. We're living on sides. Mm -hmm. And so I got fascinated by what would happen if I didn't live on a side. Mm -hmm. And then I just asked questions. So then I went out to adults, and I wanted to have this first trip that happened last fall. And um, I would let people choose anywhere they wanted me to go in America based on a relevant social issue. Not political, relevant social. Anytime I went to an Aren't adult... are the same thing? No. Not always. Not always. Yeah. Okay. Not a, and not, be, and I'll not show always. you an example. No. And, and so, uh, relevant... And then, so I'll come up to that a little bit. So when I went to the adult groups, it would break down within five seconds about the orange-haired man. And I'm like, no, 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 this isn't about the orange-haired man. This is about relevant social issues. Because in my mind, what happens is all these issues haven't been dealt with for years. And so now they've risen. Yeah. They've risen. And then we've got this. So if you haven't addressed... Right, the pee on the carpet. Eventually, the pee turns into something else, and you got to pull a carpet out, and then you got to get new carpet, and you might not like it. Hmm. That's my metaphor. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's it a works. great it metaphor. Yeah. No, yeah. that's a yeah. great metaphor. I'm fascinated. Just Keep made going. It up. So um, I realized that adults weren't going to solve my issue about where to go because I wanted to make sure I never adults. Adults, yeah. so adult groups, they would just get red-haired man. They just get so mad, and then it would dissolve into the red-haired man. Well, hey, can I stop you for a second? So, yep. did you ask conservative adults? No. And why didn't you? At that point, well, I started with people I knew, right? Oh, okay. And then I was like, nah, this is just too hard. So I decided to go to high school students. Mm. And so I worked with three very different high school classes in Portland, um, Roosevelt High School. I wanted different demographics. Roosevelt right. High School, an all-girls school downtown, St. Mary's, which mm -hmm. is where I went as a kid, right. and then a group of boys who came out of the criminal justice system. Okay. So I wanted to see... You didn't go to Sherwood? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you yet. <laughs> no, I'll I was go. just... No, it was time. just a commentary on <laughs> white uh, suburban America. But anyways, I know, going. right? So in that process, uh, so example, they had to come up with a relevant social issue. They had to come up with questions for me to ask, and they had to come up with a who. And high school kids didn't have to come with a specific who. They could be generic because they're right. high school kids. Right. Then I would take that, go to these places, interview, and then send them back recordings. Oh, so, so man. The, did they did they that sounds like fun. Could mm -hmm. they send you anywhere in the country? Anywhere in America. Anywhere in America. And how did the kids know what countries or what's countries places to send Sent you to. in the country? So I did. Um, so I did a self funding campaign. Okay. And then I um, let I would go into the schools, and that ties in with my community development, my artists in the schools, right? So I know how to work that kind of work. Did three sessions. First, talked about <clears throat> what was a social issue. Mm -hmm. We made a list of social oh, issues, right? Okay. First session. Yeah. Second session. Where you, might you send me for those social issues? So they could make a, a, a short list. And then after each session, they'd have discussions. And then my last session, they voted in their place. Okay. Got so, it. So each, so the class would mid decide a location. Yeah. One location. One location. Got it. The mm. class would decide. So, and then I did work with a group of women who ended up um, sending me to uh, Fort Peck, which is a reservation up in Montana. So... And then I did a fundraiser where if you gave me over $500, you could choose where I went. There so it was go. like, how could I get um, directive? How right. could I do a self-funder? <clears throat> da, 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 da. So mm. in that process, so a social issue 
a good example. Um, so the girls, ready for this? I love this story. Okay, so the girls at St. Mary's they sent me to Mississippi. Okay, they sent me to Mississippi for a reason that nobody, and I've asked two hundred people, has ever guessed the reason. Do you want to try and guess? Sure, I'll give it a guess. Okay, want to give a hint first? Do you, do you yeah, need a hint? a hint? Okay, they're all girls, and they are um, thinking about college and their future. So why, the question, Perry of the day, why did these girls send yeah. her to Mississippi? Um, and the hint is all girls thinking about their future. Well, I'm not a girl, so I'm having a hard time coming up with something related to those two questions. <laughs> I don't know any universities in Mississippi. Nope. I'm sure there is, but so, no, they're, they're not doing... Ole Miss? And this will, and I'll break my other rule, it does sort of tie in with politics, but not really. Then it's a social issue. Yes. I would think poverty has no. something to do with it. No. Okay. Uh, all girls. Uh, I would think it of would... Of all demographics. Infant mortality. No. Future. Think future. Future. And then you can say uncle. Future. Education. Future I, opportunities. Uh, future opportunities. Okay. I give. Career. I give, give up. Too. I give up. Too. Okay. Televangelism. Call no, my no, name. No, yeah, call <laughs> in now. If you think you know the answer to this question. Um, so at that point, it's changed a little bit. Mississippi has never, ne never had a female governor or oh. a female senator. And they wanted to know how never having a woman in a position of power right. impacted a woman's belief she could be anything she wanted to be. How's that not hmm. a political issue? It's social in that women reach a glass ceiling. Right. Right. And so that was that's why I said that broke the rule a oh, little bit. I see. Right. Yeah, Remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they wanted to see how that impacted. Did women believe they could be anything? So they sent me high school kids. Yeah. So what was the sociological impact of having an all-male historical leadership yeah. in their state? Yeah. Right? So they sent me to the city of Jackson, Mississippi, which is a big city. Uh, right. A uh, capital. Yeah, right. That's what I thought it was, yeah. And they asked me to ask women in the city. Right. And then they sent me to rural regions, the Delta mainly, and they Insert, wanted me... Hey, um, Richard or Rick, <laughs> Rick, can you insert the banjo music here? Okay, <laughs> or, some <laughs> or some blues. <laughs> and it was just um, so I was supposed to be in Mississippi for five days, and I stayed for five weeks. Well, so 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 when they send you someplace, did they do they get to stipulate how long you stay there, or is that up to the work you have to do there relative to the questions? That, uh, relative to the questions. So what were the questions that they asked you to ask? So mainly they yeah for them and then this. This teacher was so awesome. They actually, um, the Who's, they gave me um, some research on some nonprofits that work with women. Oh, that was and, a good idea. Yeah, and so then I called them, mm -hmm. and then they gave me like people that did community development, oh. and then I did women on the street interviews, and then I started just diving in. So I did three hundred interviews over the course of five weeks. Wow, what did you? What was that like? Oh my don't, God. don't tell me what you've learned yet. I'll get to that question in a minute. But what was it like to talk to all those? First of all, how did you, how did you, well, 
they they were selected by people local, so they knew you were going to talk to them. Is that right? Well, sometimes yes, and a lot of times no. So um, when I the first woman I met, I met because of the nonprofit, and mm-hmm. so we met, and so we talked, and then she said da 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 da. Let me ch- send you around, but then she kind of flaked out a little bit, right? So you're in the town, yeah, and so you have this beautiful van that you're staying mm-hmm. in, and so then you go into the coffee shop. And anytime you're in a rural community, if you think you're invisible, everybody yeah. knows that yeah. you're not. You're not yeah. You are, you are the, not. Newbie, yeah. the new being, especially yeah. when you're driving in like, what's she driving? Yeah. You know, yeah. and so all of a sudden. Eris the hippie teardrop gets that a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so in rural America, which they might have in Sherwood, that we have in, no, 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 in a good way, right? <laughs> I say this, like in Portland, we have B&I and we have, uh, oh, yeah. blah, 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 yeah. in rural America, guys meet at either McDonald's or a coffee shop and it's all these dudes that just meet in right. the morning, right? right? And so, but I didn't know that. Yes, we do have that in Sherwood. Yes, it's so cool. It's so <laughs> cool. So I went in, and um, they seem to be divided out, conservative and some of them, and liberals go to other ones, and then sometimes they mix it up, whatever. So I, of course, they're like, who's this new chick in town? What's she doing here? And so they called me over to their table and said, hey. The men called you over? You bet they oh, did. Oh, interesting. You, they bet, yeah. Hey, what are you doing? But they don't say it quite like that in Mississippi. Right. They say, hey, you're new in town. That's all they say? They're new in town? <laughs> and, I pause. No. Uh-huh. All the old guys wow. in Mississippi, they were like, hey, there's this new chickie in town. Come over, sit by us. Yes. Tell us what you're doing. And, and, wow. But they really want to know. And you're all like, by yourself, right? And, and they want to know, like, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. But they don't say, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. Right. They're like, hey, wow, you just got into town. When are you leaving? (laughs) (laughs) So I told them. And how can we help you Uh, leave? (laughs) I told them, and this is what moved me and kept me there. They said, um, so here's the deal. If you've come to judge us, you will last a minute. If you want to be curious and ask questions, we'll tell you everything you want to know. These were all the guys. These were all the old men. Sorry, dudes. Yeah. But their perspective on whether or not they were being judged or whether or not they were being interviewed is theirs, not but it's fair. your. But it's, it's fair. I suppose it would probably preempt her approach, right? Well, and my approach was on purpose. I wasn't on this mission to change anybody's minds. Yeah. I was really on this mission, and I still am is to find out I don't think we can change minds until we know what people are thinking I totally agree and so all and, I want and appreciate the origin of the thinking, thinking the, point. the emotional component is really important the emotional the historical yep. the social yep. so my belief even in coaching is like when you come in and I work with you I'm not going to judge you or your business until I really figure out like what's your DNA in your business who are you Right, so it gave me a really good um, like. <clears throat> am I judging them? Which we always are, right? I mean, we just are as humans. You can't help it. You can't help it. But my, my you can, but it takes effort. <laughs> takes effort. My job yeah. here is not to do that. So yeah. interesting. That was the question that the girl sent me with, and wait a minute, I I, the, I missed it. What was the question? That the they question sent? that the girl sent was oh the glass ceiling question. Yeah, and so that's what. Um, 
kept me in Mississippi for five weeks was like I got so fascinated by how did rural women had a very different answer than city women. They city women cared. Cared city, about what? The glass ceiling. Right. Like yeah, right. I Got do it. miss out on opportunity. Yeah. So I how do. did the, that council of guys? That's so what I want to know. Yeah. How did they answer that question when you said what? How, what impact do you think this has on women? I didn't um, ask them at first. I told them that that's what I was here to do. Oh, I see. Okay. You, you, oh, were, gotcha. you specified that you were here, here to collect data about gotcha. the glass. Well, I didn't say data. Okay. I said, I'm doing this really cool experiment. <laughs> okay. Said, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> a drawl to it. I think I got a little bit of a drawl. <laughs> I really like the Mississippi drawl. <laughs> I do, too. When I go to Texas, so I always come me. back. And, yeah. I, you it know, has a different connotation yeah. for me. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. But exactly. Yeah. And in um, the Delta, um, I fell in love with the Delta. I, I the landscape, mean, you mean, or the, the people? people or, yeah. The people and the women, because the women were like, we don't really care because they don't care about us. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say that, that they would say, they, uh, uh, listeners, Cut me some slack on what I'm about to say. This may sound judgmental. I'm being being honest. (laughs) I thought you were going to say that they didn't care because the men took care of them so well. No, okay. She was just shaking her head no. No. Um, So we're going to break the Portland liberal bubble a little bit here. Cool? Yeah, totally. (laughs) So we do have international listeners. So just so you know, we have lots of people with lots of perspectives. Absolutely. So I just want to say that what I loved about Mississippi is Mississippi just gets into it. You know what I mean? There isn't like the there's a, f- a fair amount of uh, veiling of political correctness that happens in Portland, and when yeah. I'm in Mississippi, they just get into it in a in a delightful, respectful way. Can you give an example of that? Yes, I'm okay. gonna just Great. because yeah. I just wanted to put that out there that I'm saying this right now. So, so in Portland, you feel like you have to be more politically correct, and your perspective um, or your perception is based largely on, for instance, your liberal friends that refuse to have a dinner with people that believe other than they do. Um, it, was that does that drive your perspective? In other words, what? no. I think that it's I think it's twenty years of living here on a lot okay. of different levels. Of, okay. and I'll give a couple examples. Yeah, I'd here. love to see yeah. examples. Of so, um, for example, um, and we'll stay with this, and then we'll get to another example. Yeah. Um, is that in Mississippi, you just use words like black. You're black. I'm white. We're not thinking about, is he a person of color? He's African-American. He's, it's just is. And, and so I, I hope I didn't offend no, you. No, you're not offending me. I, I have some, I have, I'm curious about that, but I can't ask, ask you because you're not a Mississippian, so you wouldn't have the answers, I, I would suppose. And, and it didn't matter. black. <laughs> and it didn't matter oh, shit. <laughs> across, and it was the same across racial boundaries, yeah. right? Mm. So it didn't matter if I was talking to somebody who was white or if I was talking to somebody who was black. It was white and it was black. Mm. So okay. it was uh, clear. And then as, and then what happens in Mississippi when you get two white people together? Then they're not sure what to call. Did you just talk to a black person or did you talk to an African American? Between the white people, people, they don't know what word to use, but, <laughs> yeah. but with a black person, they just default Dude, to black? Well, if, if you're with me, you and me are both black. We're talking black, black. Okay. Okay. You're with MJ. You're talking black, white. 
right? Okay. MJ and I. Uh, Wait a minute. In these in these scenarios you're painting right now, are we in Mississippi or we're are we in here? Mississippi? Okay, we're okay, all got in Mississippi, it. Okay, got right? It. Okay. But then MJ and I are sort of from Old Miss, right? So we're talking. We're not sure. Like, what do we use? Like, like, what language do we use? So all of a sudden, it just gets like this political correctness. Do we say we just left talking to you? Right. So and, you think they feel more um, sort of? Um, uh, let me see. They between the whites, they feel um, like they don't want to be offended, like offensive, they're being judged by, by their fellow white by people. people. Mm-hmm. Right. But when they, at some stage, wouldn't they say, you know, I was just talking to Perry? That's a good point. Right. Wouldn't they, say, like, wouldn't they use my name as great. opposed to this black? Yeah, yeah. I would, we were just talking but, about but, that black man. So that was not. You a good mean exa- Perry? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not a good example. Okay, <laughs> Perry Black. <laughs> so, um, so it, we're going to expand this a little bit. Okay. So in Mississippi, what I love about Mississippi is that they use two terms that I. And again, I might be really off base here, and this is just my perspective, so you can kick me out of the room. But um, what I love about Mississippi and places in the South is they use two terms that I think we need to use two terms more often about this very topic. There is racism, and there are race relations. And those are two distinctly different things. I agree with that. Things. Mm-hmm. And we're... Um, what Con- is, we're conflating the two? We're conflating How the two. are we conflating the two? Because so, racism is so... Okay, please clarify. That and for and, me. and racism, they both exist, right? Well, I'm not. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm never taking away that racism doesn't I, exist. I don't have a problem with with what you're saying. I'm, I just want to know the difference between how how they see a conflation between racism and race relations. No, we. I think other. I think everybody conflates them, oftentimes. Okay. So I'll give an example. So when I was in the Delta. I was working, so this is where I get confused. I was working with Gloria Sturdivant. You don't know who Gloria Sturdivant is. Should we know? No. Okay. Is she white or is she black, right? It right. don't matter if it does. she's black or white. This, she's probably white. <laughs> so Based this, on the name? Yes. Here's the interesting. Sturdivant was Swedish. Slave owners had a mix of some of the slaves ended up white. Some of the slaves ended up black. And they both have... Sturdivant, so you can mm. have a white lineage of Sturdivant, oh, I see. and you can have a black lineage of Sturdivant. So okay. the Sturdivant slave owners had white slaves and black slaves. Well, because of you know indentured servitude. That well, because of mixed racing or yes. mixed inter interracing, you know, or like you know master yeah. rape, right? Got that it. kind of thing. Interesting. Uh, not to be. I'm such an uplifter. I'm going to uplift this conversation here. Um, you but, don't have to. I, I don't feel downer. I, no, I, no, I think no, no. this is fascinating, fascinating information. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah absolutely. So, so let's clarify the race relations. So the, and, yeah. this is, and the reason I say this is you said, why do I need to call you the black guy, right? Or whatever. So Gloria Sturdivant is black, right? And the reason it's important to say she she's not a white Sturdivant. She's a black Sturdivant. Okay, and it, the only reason it matters is I met Gloria in the Delta. Gloria is black, and this is important. Gloria says to me, "I had also come through Tupelo, which is known for being a very conservative white area of Mississippi." Gloria says to me, "Carolyn, there are no progressive whites in Tupelo." And I had met a woman that does amazing work and a number of amazing women. And I said, Gloria, yeah, there are. So she had race relations issues, right? So I called the woman that I had met and I said, would you have lunch with this woman, Gloria, from the Delta over here three hours away? We had lunch together. 
they now do work together. Is Gloria is 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 the other woman from Tupelo? Is she black or white? White. Okay, so so Gloria was saying there are no progressives in Tupelo, which is this no pro- white progressives. Oh, white progressives. Okay. Okay. Got, got it. it. See, that's a race relations issue. So Not she's racism. saying that that Gloria wasn't necessarily racist by making the assumption Shin. that that was true. Gloria was just generalizing based on her perception of that area or that the 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 political leanings of the people of color or not of color in that area. So the so Mississippians, uh, ge- I know I'm generalizing when I say this, but generally speaking, Mississippians are saying the the difference between racism and race relations is we don't have more race relations. We don't know how to cross the street. Got it. Right. And so I had gone, but I would like to challenge, however, that this expands far beyond Mississippi. This, this well, is the aha yeah, moment, yeah, that yeah. we that she reached in Mississippi. But yeah. is we need to make that distinction everywhere here <coughs> yes. in Portland. We need to make that distinction because if we're not making that distinction, we're not finding a way to help people cross the street together. Well, isn't this the same? Isn't this the same in any relation, like political? Like you're 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 not happened to dinner is an example of political. Cool. In relations, exactly. Non relations, non relations. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's exactly. And so I love the way Mississippi was the only place. So Mississippi is um, one of the most dist states in it, the well, nation, and that's why the older men have the have the the perspective perspective they have. If you're coming into our, you know, you better be coming with an open mind, mind or you're not going to last. Right. Yeah, I get it. And so, but I love the fact that. As dist as some of that is deserving, they also have some progressive ways of naming things that we can take here and start to name, is it racism or is it race relations? Yeah. So th- th- this is fascinating, actually. So the, so, um, God, we can go so many directions and mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of time left. Yeah, we? we've got 15 We're, minutes. 15 minutes, yeah. okay. So, um, th- where do I want to take this? Go- Let's leave race for a moment and yes. talk about. So, what did you bring back to you, to the exactly. St. Mary's girls? So, uh, during that trip, I would then send back videos. I'd take short videos and send them videos of all different. Like again, they did not get three hundred interviews from me because they're right. high school students, so right. they got like twenty five. Right, <laughs> right. Were they expecting three hundred? No, it would have been way too much. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then when I got back, um, we then had a couple of t- conversations about what they expected the interviews to say and then what they found. And quickly, what were the, diff- what were um, the difference? One was um, everybody thinks that everybody in Mississippi is yes. excruciatingly poor. Oh, Okay. That's one. Um, two was because they saw all these different interviews, they became much more aware of um, the issues that women faced. So it was, it was very women's based. Period or in Mississippi? Um, I would say it, uh, they're high school students, right? Right. So high school students take everything. It's just part of the development stage. Yeah. You put it back into yourself, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And so it was a way for them to look deeper into who they are and their own identity of mm-hmm. who they are and how, da da da. So I'm going to leave that for a moment. Yeah. It was just a really powerful 
opportunity for everybody. So I left Mississippi and I was just sobbing. Mm. I was just crying in my car by myself, you know, <laughs> coming back. And I was like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> I'm not done. And um, then from there, I went through border towns of Texas to Mexico, in and out, in and out. And then Kempton coming up with like, how can I go back for a longer trip? So that trip was last October through last December. Mm-hmm. I uh, started thinking about it, and then Ram, bless their souls, as the car company, truck company, Ram, um, they sponsored me for a secondary trip. How did they How did they find out about you, and how did you have that conversation? So this is where we're going to link yeah. Zach's. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, right. yeah. So <laughs> when I did my first trip. Just one second. So Zach is the uh, creator of the vehicle that you live in when you're on the road. I would say Zach Yeager is the founder of Cascade Campers. Yep. We're going to talk to him yep. in the next, next week. week. And yep. so that is yes. a Ram Truck? Ram Truck. Okay. And they, yeah, they want us to say Connecting Ram Truck. That's what truck. we do. Oh, okay, Ram Truck. Ram Truck. Not um, a van. Uh, uh, well, Ram, a van, fine, but you just want to don't say the other thing. Dodge Ram. No, they divorced in 2009. Oh, okay. It's Ram. Got it. Okay. Right? Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know, know, I know, know that either. Know, how about that? So I... Um, when I went to prepare to leave for that very first trip that the high school students sent me on, mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out how I was going to do my trip. Yeah. And I had planned to use my Subaru wagon, and I had gone to a Toastmasters meeting who had advised me that Subarus on the East Coast... Oh, no. <laughs> do not. Do not. No, no, That'd no. Be like, no what does that sound? Me. <laughs> that, what is that? What uh, is time that? Out. Time out. Time out. Yeah. yeah, or International Singapore. For, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. So I oh, thought... that's true. Right? Yeah, that's I so thought, true. what am I going to do then? Right? And I did this little... Also, I did a trial run um, down in Silverton of what it would be like to stay overnight in a hotel. And I realized... That would be hell. So just like carrying your stuff in every night, Silver carrying in your stuff out every night, yeah. like have yeah. a strange bed every night, yeah. blah, blah, blah. blah. And yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. was just going to be for like three months. Blah. Bed yeah. bugs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so then I thought, okay, <laughs> Mississippi. <laughs> or just oh. anywhere. <laughs> and trust me, trust me, Detroit yeah. uh and my feet fleas uh, bad. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna da da da. I'm gonna get a van. I'm gonna quickly convert it. Da da da. So I got online, and I'm a fast. I'm a manifester. Mm-hmm. Like I can manifest overnight. So the next morning, I went up to get my cup of coffee at Extracto, and I walked out, and there's this van across the street from me that isn't from my neighborhood, and the back doors are open. I'm like, that's kind of like what I want. What was in the van? I didn't know yet. Oh, okay. I just saw this van with <laughs> okay. doors open. Okay. I didn't have my coffee yet, so I walked over there, and I look inside, and I'm like, it's a solar van. It's a Ram van. It's like one of those little tradesman's vans. It's got a bed that looks like a futon that then slides out like a bed. It's got a refrigerator. It's got everything I want, and I'm mm. like, I want this van. This van. I don't want to make a van. This van. Well, it turns out, Zach had sent his friend from Seattle, by chance, manifesting me, yes. down to Portland to drive it around. Perfect. She happened to park it across the street from wow. my house, stay in it across the street from my house, wow. open the doors about 10 minutes before I walked by. Perfect. Right, right? Yep. Looked at this, and I'm like, I am in love. This is what I want. Mm. So I had to photograph show the next Wednesday, I had to get everything framed. I went to the frame shop, and I called Zach. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> he doesn't know me. Hey, I just saw your van. I love it. I'm doing this trip. Would you like to sponsor me? 
And he said, yes. Wow. So I took that first trip in a Ram van that was this van. So as I drove back, I knew exactly the van. I knew why. I had pictures. I had a story. I had a whatever. I had a whatever. So so hang on a second. So did Ram Truck sponsor you or did Zach, Zach, Zach sponsor you? Zach did you. on Got the it. first trip. That's right. Okay. Right. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. So Zach yeah. sponsored me on the very yes. first Got trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, on the very first trip. Yeah. So Ram sponsored me on my second trip. And my second trip, I was gone for six months. So wow. why did Ram sponsor you on the second trip? Did okay. they like what you were doing? I'll tell you a really quick okay, story. Okay, yeah. Really fast. Yeah. Okay, so then you're calling around and you're like, all right, applying to Ram is like applying to Coca-Cola. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's yeah. way too big. Yeah. And I had another client that said, Carolyn, if you want to do this, get your truck in the south and then have Zach make it. They're cheaper in the south. So da 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 by circumstance, I happened to go to a Ram dealership with an issue, tiny, tiny, when I was in Mississippi. I called that dealer and I said, hey, um, I'm wondering, da, 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 yeah. have an idea. And do you want to sponsor me? And they said, we can't sponsor you, but Ram might like to. And I'm like, oh, that's too big. Mm-hmm. And so I just sort of said, this is the Friday before New Year's Eve. I said, hey, do you have a name? He goes, yeah. I said, would you like to share it? Sure. So he gave me the name of a guy who is high up in Ram. And then I said, can you give me his phone number? He goes, yeah. I'm like, Nirvana. <laughs> you know, so it's Friday now, 5 o'clock Dallas time, 3 o'clock our times because they're two hours different. I knew he wouldn't be there. And I just gave him a call. And I just said, hey, don't want to give his name. Uh, Joe. Right, We're going to call yeah. Joe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Carolyn uh, John. Not his name, but John gave me your name. I know you're not there. I'd love to talk to you on Monday about a project I'm doing. Just left it at that. Right? I know that it's um, New Year's weekend. Mm-hmm. You won't be in. I think it was Tuesday because it was going to be New Year's. Went home. Five o'clock. Figured I wouldn't hear from him. I'd call him on Tuesday. I started drinking. It's New Year's <laughs> Eve, right? <laughs> That's, That's what you do. That's what you do. 8.30, my phone rings, right? I'm oh, answering it because it's just New Year's yeah, Eve. Who's it going like- it's that guy. <laughs> He's called me ten thirty Dallas time. Wow. Because he liked her story. Well, did John call the guy too. and tell him <laughs> that you were going to call? No. Interesting. Uh, who wow. knows why? Yeah. So me, I'm a little. Woo-hoo, yeah. Right. And now I've got like a big wig at Ram on yeah. the phone with me, and I'm a little. Woo-hoo. Yeah. He doesn't know the story yet. He will someday. So uh-huh. it's okay that if he hears this. And I said, Zach doesn't know the no, story. No, the guy at Ram. Oh, yeah. The guy at Ram. And so I said, I said, I am so touched that you have called me tonight. So if I sound a little giddy, it's I'm just so touched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By wild turkey. <laughs> exactly. And so he asked me about, he asked me what I was doing. I told him, he goes, he goes, you know what you're doing, Carolyn? You're giving voice to rural America. Yeah. And I went. That's right in line with Ram. I'm like, that's my name. That's the name of my project. Oh, look at that. He named my project. So he said... That's right. Yeah. So we talked for like 25 minutes. And then he said, here's what you do. I want you to call me first thing on Tuesday morning and we're going to discuss this and we're going to get it going. I'm like, cool. What time would that be? And he goes, 7.30. I said, that's 5.30 my time, right? He goes, yep, get yourself a cup of coffee. (laughs) 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 And so that's how it all began. Wow. And so he and I um, still like, then it went there and moved on. And so they sponsored me and I send him pictures and keep him posted. And 
um, sent him rye whiskey from Oregon. Do you nice. really? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, so it's interesting because they are listed as your number one sponsor, and if you rank them on your website, um, and the vehicle, let me just look real quick. The vehicle is it is a Ram, yeah, mm-hmm. um, but the but it's it. Does your I haven't seen your vehicle the outside of your vehicle. Does it have Ram logos other than the other than the badges? Does it have sponsored by Ram in no. the name of your organization? No, it can't have that. Can no, it? Um, well, I didn't want it to, mm-hmm. and they didn't want it to. So the one thing oh. they asked for is Zach's vehicle has a a logo on it, and they asked right. that there were no logos on the vehicle at all. Well, they didn't say it all, but I would say I, because of what I do is my job now in my quick two minutes uh, is that, um, and this will make me cry, is that this trip was about going into towns that are revitalizing themselves. So the first trip, the criteria changed on this trip, right? I no longer had high school students right. send me. I wanted to go to towns that revitalizing themselves and the criteria I gave to myself was I could only go to a town if somebody invited me if somebody sent me or if I happened to stumble upon it so I didn't look at a map and say look at these towns or do research it was like so for the last six months everywhere I've gone 90% of the time has been somebody sending me somewhere so when you give the voice to rural America how does the voice get out yes so what happened uh, is that what I thought would happen uh, didn't happen, and the next project is going to change that hopefully a little bit, is I thought that, again, political correctness, that my going to rural America would um, really engage people who know me. And it, I'm realizing it takes about six months to a year for people to really care. Yeah. To really care. Yeah. So I, at the tail end... Um, and this is going to be just another example of uh, uh, political correctness, political incorrectness, political judgment, and all that kind of stuff, um, is that slowly it's getting out. And what I ended up happening is that as I travel to all these towns, I know more about what's going on in rural America than many rural Americans do because they're so embedded in their little town surviving. Yeah, yeah. So I would go into a town and say, hey, Ram has paid my way. What kind of support do you need from me to get information to help you? So they'd send me to other towns. And then I'd come back and report to their chamber with pictures of things that, of that other towns were doing. And then I'd meet another person and i meet another person. So just recently I was in Leeds, South Dakota, and it turns out the woman was coming to Portland. And we spent the day in Oregon City because they won the Oregon, mm. the uh, Great American Main Street Award. And so they talked to her. Oregon City did? Oregon City oh, did. that's interesting. Go figure. Yeah, go figure that. And Alberta was a finalist. Alberta what? Main Street. Alberta Street. Street. Real? I thought she meant Alberta, Canada. I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> right? Do me for a loop there. So okay. in some ways, giving voice to rural America wow. at this point has changed. I thought I was going to change everybody's opinion about rural America. And it's slowly, somehow... Uh, shifting, but slowly, slowly, slowly. Um, but what I did do that I feel really proud of is that I was able to link people f- from different towns in rural America who feel like they are alone, mm-hmm. who don't, or that feel like, wow, they're doing this. Yeah. How do they do this? Yeah. And then they connect, and that's how change happens. It's really important mm-hmm. because they're, they, I think part of the, I could be wrong, Carolyn, but I think part of the, whiplash knee-jerk reaction we saw in our politics um, a couple years back was because 
rural America felt they were being left out. Mm -hmm. And the other part of America, to them, seems like everything they don't want to be a part of. And here we go. We're talking about, what do we call it? Racial relations. We're talking about... Class relations. Is it class relations or is it is it a, a cultural relations? It can be all of those. Above. Yeah, and so there's a lack of awareness on one part, a lack of awareness among people who don't live in the rural. On both sides. Yeah, on both yeah, sides. absolutely. But but both sides, it, overlaid on top of that lack of awareness is a bunch of assumptions. Exactly. And that's why you get what we've got. And fear. And fear and insecurity and, and, and all that. And insecurity and yeah, all that. And goosebumps about <laughs> I, I know. I get goosebumps yeah. every day. Yeah. Every day. And so I got home and I'm like, all right, I now know more. And I'm not the type that ever says this, but I now know more than most people do about what's going on in America. Oh, I bet you do. And I can't stop here. Mm. And it just makes me cry. I can't stop mm. here. So I'm now doing a next chapter and I'd love to talk to you guys later about how I do this is it's going to be um, talk across America and so I'm going back into the towns that I've built trust because part of it is I've now yeah. built trust yeah. in in 60 different places mm-hmm. and doing stories that matter of innovation stories of revitalizing compassion of revitalizing towns of revitalizing just innovative ways of living and then sharing those in a in a podcast way. Very interesting. So um, I'm just sorry. No, I just I, I said just, that'd be fun. Okay, I'm, we're, we're almost at the end of the show. Yeah. Okay, we are at the end of the show. So, <laughs> and Zach so, is emailing me, so okay, good. he's All like right, right there. Like, well, <laughs> this has been such a fascinating hour, and it, it would be it would be great to have you back at some point. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, well, um, we're definitely going to talk with you after this show is over. Okay. Actually. We got a show right after that. But <laughs> yeah. I want, I want, I want to. Do, do you have time today? L- let's talk after the show, uh, listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this I just want to say thank you. Oh yeah, for sure. Having me, sure, this sure, has sure. just been there's, a delight. There's a yeah. lot. Can you hang around? I can. Can you, okay. Um, there. This has been a great show. This is a very um, how do you say emblematic of the type of out of the box kind of stories we want to hear. Mm-hmm. And right. so, um, thank you for listening, uh, Tiny Housers. It's been um, a really great conversation and looking forward to our next conversation next week when we're going to be just following up on this with with talking about the guy who invented the vehicle that uh, Carolyn drives around in. All right. So, uh, Rick, thanks for making this great. Uh, Listeners, leave us a review uh, on iTunes and we'll see you next week. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com where you will also find our show notes if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs>